This, this microphone here got some juice, glory to God. Got a fresh pack of batteries in it. You know, I'm fired up, glory to God. But it is good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to look around and see the family of faith on this Memorial Day weekend. Do you know today is Pentecost Sunday? Did you know today's Pentecost Sunday? How marvelous that day is, Pentecost Sunday. I'm here to tell you that the enemy is working against Pentecost. I'm going to actually get into some conversations today that I know are going to bless your life. We are in a series called Pastor's Peeves, and we're going to be talking about something just so essential in the kingdom of heaven. I don't know if I need to just sit down and teach it or preach it, but I'm going to share with you some stuff today about offense. Amen. About offenses. And I want to talk to you about that today. So we're going to set this up as the, only the Holy Spirit can. We're going to get into some, get into the scriptures. We're going to talk about some things. And, and I, I believe that at the end of today's message, this week, we can begin the process of walking in unity and in one accord. Maybe you're here today and you've got an offense with God. Maybe you've got an offense with a brother, sister, a family member, a brother and sister in church. I pray that this message will set you free from the chain and from the bars of offense, from the prison of offense. And so I'm praying you'll just let the word of the Lord fall on your hearts in such a way that I help bless your life. So I'm going to have you to stand, and as you're standing, I want you to go to St. Luke 17, St. Luke chapter 17, and I'm going to read some scriptures there to you that I believe are going to be a part of our discussion today, part of this message today that I believe is going to bless your lives. So we're in St. Luke 17. Let me get my Bible over there, and we'll get into some stuff, and I pray that you'll let these verses just minister to you. What a marvelous thing this is. And I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to read, read down. <laughs> we'll, see, <laughs> we'll see where the, where the Holy Spirit would ask me to stop, but I know for sure I'm going to read through verse 5, and I think you'll get this as soon as, as, soon as you, you read through this. You'll see <laughs> why, why uh, this scripture, this text is so important to the family of faith and to the house of the Lord. So if you're in St. Luke chapter 17, I'm going to begin reading here at verse 1. And you'll see I'm, uh, why I'm chuckling so much, because when you get down to verse 5, you'll see exactly why. But here it begins. This again, this is St. Luke uh, chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. I am reading from the King James Version of my Bible in this message entitled, Take It or Leave It. Take it or leave it. It begins like this. Then said he unto the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. So I want you to hear that. It is impossible, but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Verse 3, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespassed against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, the Bible says, Thou shalt forgive him. And then the disciples, hearing this, said to the Lord, <laughs> The disciples said unto the Lord, Increase <laughs> our faith. And the Lord said, If ye had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him, By the way, 
when he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet. Now watch this. And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup, and girt thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. Now watch what, watch what Jesus says. Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I throw not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, saying, we are unprofitable servants, we have done, catch this, that which was our duty to do. Oh, wow. The duty of forgiving. Oh, man, that's marvelous. Are y'all ready? We're going to get into some conversations. I pray that you'll allow the Spirit of the Lord to move on you. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We thank you for the purpose that we have in the house of the Lord, that Holy Spirit you might move perfectly, you might move in our hearts, in our minds, that you might stir us into fruit in the kingdom of heaven that produces hundredfold. I pray today that as we're talking about uh, the issue of offense, and I already sense the tension in the spiritual atmosphere, that there's, there's a tension in the house of God because we've come to talk about the very work of the enemy. We've come to expose them. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you expose the enemy, that you let us see him plainly, that he, he won't be obscured, but that we manifest his work, that we might see it right well. And I pray that this message will help us to see what the devil's attempting to do in the household of faith, to disrupt who we are and our purposes in the kingdom of heaven. So I pray today that, that this message will fall upon hearts that are supple, that are, that, are, that, are, that are ready for the entry of the word of the Lord, that it may yield back into the kingdom a hundred times that which was sown. And we pray that together. And we pray that in no other name than we could pray than that beautiful name we call Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. This is what I want you to do. I want you to go find somebody, right? find five people, and I want you to simply say this phrase, take it or leave it. Take it and leave it. Go find somebody and say, you can either take it or leave it. Go take it or leave it. Go find somebody right now and say hello to them and tell them, take it or leave it. While you're moving about, it's good to see guests in the house of the Lord. Lydia, it's good to see you. My cousin all the way from Colorado. Lydia, blessings to you. Thank you for being with us. Amen. It's good to see guests and people in the house of the Lord, we welcome you. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that you chose Harvest Point Church to come and worship on this Pentecost Sunday, on this Memorial Day weekend. We welcome you to the house of the Lord. Blessings, blessings, blessings upon each and every one of you. It is awesome to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be together. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him, take it or leave it, baby. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Amen. We're going we're gonna to get to some stuff today. I pray that you allow this message to minister to you. I pray that you allow, allow it to guide you, to keep you. There's some things that we're going to talk about in the Spirit of the Lord that are so instrumental. If we're to see the outpouring of the Spirit of God in these last days, we have to be in one accord. We have to be in one accord, and we know the enemy is trying to produce offenses in the house of the Lord. So we're going to get into some stuff today. I pray that your heart is ready to hear the word of the Lord. Amen. We're going to have a good time. 
in fellowship, good time in the word of the Lord. Amen. Let me see. I always have so much to do, so much to discuss, so much to talk about. I'll start here. How many know that everywhere or anywhere there's a blessing, the enemy is working against it? It's so important that the church understand that there is always the matter of warfare. Touch your neighbor say, you're at war. Uh, there are some things concerning God that will come uh, quite, quite part of the uh, spiritual process, but there are some things that if you're going to attend to it, you've got to fight for it. Not, not all of the promises of God are going to fall in your lap. Some of the things of God, you've got to tend to them. You've got to, you've got to work for them. Some of the things that, that the enemy sees where God is in, uh, he's always trying to work adversely against the very blessings of God. And you need to know that. Look at your neighbor say, you've got to fight for your blessing. Oh, you've got to fight for your blessing. Of all the times or things and places where I've seen in the scripture where the blessing is involved, there are three platforms for the blessings of God. And let me give you these platforms. You probably know them right well. How many know that in the kingdom of heaven that the power of God, listen to this, is invested always in, completely in, the purpose of, watch this, agreement. In, in order for the, the power of God to be delivered, there has to be agreement. Now think about what I just said. Wherever the power of God is divulged, wherever God wants to move, wherever God wants to make a power play, he's always looking to move in the power, listen, of agreement. Think of everything in the kingdom of God. If you want to see God move, if you want to see the hand of God, you're going to need agreement somewhere. You're going to need to come together in agreement. And because the enemy knows that the power of agreement is so volatile to his kingdom, he's always purposing to move against it, right? So, so I, I want to help you see there's three platforms in the power of agreement, in the power of God. How many, how many are interested in the power of God? I, I, I love operating in the power of God. I'm, I'm addicted to the power of God. I want to see the power of God. I want to produce the wonders of the kingdom of heaven because I want God to be seen. Somebody say amen to that. I want God to be visualized by the expression of the power of the kingdom. So there's, there's three platforms. One is faith. Uh, faith. Faith is agreement with the personhood of God. Oh, somebody help me now. Faith, let me say it again. Faith is the expression of your agreement in the personhood of God. That's why Jesus said, listen, you have the power to tell mountains to move. You have the power to tell trees to uproot themselves. And Jesus teaching this principle says, put your faith in God. Amen. Tap your neighbor, say, put your faith in God. Put your faith in God. My faith is expressed by what God says about himself. God is going to be himself. And even when I'm faithless, he remains faithful, for that's the character of God. He cannot deny himself. So I want you to understand that, 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 that faith, the expression of faith, uh, is the power of agreement with God. Faith is agreement with God. But I also want you to know that there's a, there's a creature that God created. The Bible says that of all the creatures that God had made, of all the creatures that God made in the Garden of, of, of Eden, there was one that was more subtle than any of the beasts. And what was it? It was the enemy. He's very subtle. Could I suggest to you, he's crafty. 
He wants to dismantle your faith by doing something very, very crafty with you. You know what he does to dismantle faith? He simply injects into your faith a small measure of doubt. Now, now, now bear with me now because I want to teach you how the power of agreement works in the kingdom of heaven. The enemy gives you just a smidgen of doubt because he knows that little bit of yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Just a little doubt ruins your faith. James says that if a man prays and doubts what he prays for, he shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. The Bible says he's a double-minded man, an unstable man in all his ways. So he just injects a little bit of doubt and he renders your faith fruitless. The second platform where the power of God is invested is in matrimony, people who are married. How many know that the plan of God's dominion on planet earth was that he would use a husband and a wife to take dominion over all the earth and subdue the earth? And he's using a couple to do that. If you're here and you're married, you've got exponential power because you're married, you're in agreement. For two is better than one. So how does the enemy come and ruin the platform of the power of marriage? He uses ignorance. There's a lot of people in the world that don't understand that your marriage is a sacrament. Let me say this one more time to somebody because I just think I'm in a generation of culture that doesn't understand just how powerful a marriage is. Your marriage is a sacrament of the beautifulness of the kingdom of heaven. Husband, you become the Christ to your wife. You become the Christ in your home. You are the priesthood. Uh, wives, you are the picture of the church. You, you, you are the very image of the very thing that God loves the most. And when a husband uh, is Christ-like and, and, and a wife is submissive as a church, then you've got the power of agreement in the word of the Lord. And the Bible teaches me that that positional power, Mama, and I taught this to you on Mother's Day, you've got positional authority. Do you know that one sanctified woman living in a house sanctifies the whole house? And one sanctified husband sanctifies the whole house. He said, or else your children be unholy. There's power in marriage. It's the second place, the platform of agreement. The third place and most disruptive to the enemy is the unity of the brethren. Of all of the power that God has invested on planet earth, the greatest authority, the greatest expression of the power of God is right here, right now in the house of the Lord. It's right here. Look at your neighbor and say, there's power here. There's power in the power of the unity and agreement of the brethren. Let, let me give it to you. I'm going to give you a, a new, an Old Testament scripture, and then I'll give you a, a, a New Testament and Old Testament. Let me just, let, let, let me give you, oh, I'll start with the O. Y'all ready for this? You, you'll recognize this right away. Watch the psalm of Aleph, it's a psalm, you know, of David, but we'll say, I'll give it to you as Aleph said it. He says this, how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Amen. Let me say that one more time for somebody. How good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. He said, it is like the precious ointment upon the head. That ran down upon the beard. And then he says, even Aaron's beard that ran down to the skirts of his garments. And he says, and as the dew of Hermon, and as the dew descended upon the mountains of Zion. Watch this. There God commanded his blessing and life forevermore. Now I want you to hear that. The Bible says that God is what? Commanding the blessing. (laughs) 
Y'all didn't hear what I just said. You know, when God commands something, it comes to pass. Am I talking to somebody? When God says something about his blessing, when he said nothing's going to divert it, nothing's going to keep it, nothing's going to thwart it, when God commands the blessing, it shows up. And it is real and it is powerful. Even the Bible said it is life forevermore. I'll give you the New Testament counterpart. Jesus said this. Whatever you bound, whatever you bind shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose shall be loosed in heaven. Uh, Today, my my, my sister Margo, when we came in, she was not feeling well. She was sick. She thought she was going to go home. And so I came and I loosed her from her infirmity. And I bound to her the spirit of life, the Holy Ghost. And immediately she was healed. You see, there's power in the house of God, right? So I want you to hear it. The Bible says, whatever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Now watch this. For I, verily I say unto you that were two or three come together, agreeing on any one thing that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. So I want you to see that, that, that immediately we see the work of God, the hand of God. Jesus shows up when we're in agreement. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. When we're in agreement. Let me say it one more time. When we're in agreement. Let me say that one more time for somebody. When we're in agreement. The commanded blessing shows up and the church operates in power. And because the enemy knows that it's the command of God, the blessing of God, he comes to tempt you, listen, with offense. He comes to the church and he tempts you to be offended. Oh, how rich that is. Jesus, in fact, St. Matthew 24, Jesus was asked, how do we know that we are in the last days? How do do we know? How will we know, Lord, that you're coming back? What, What is the condition of the earth when you return? And Jesus goes through a whole mantra of things. He talks about wars and rumors of wars. He talks about pestilences and famines and all sorts of things that he says, you might see these things, but the end is not yet. And then Jesus says, let me tell you when you're in the very last days. Let me tell you when you know that I'm that I'm about to come back. Let me tell you when you know that the trumpet's already on Gabriel's lips. This is what he says. Many shall be offended. I love to study eschatology. And everybody's looking at a lot of things. And there's a lot of things to look at to know when the last days. But what does Jesus tell us is the one telltale sign that you're in the last days. Many shall be offended. And they're going to betray each other. They're going to hate one another. Let me, in fact, will you do me, will you do me this favor? Open your Bible, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I normally don't do this because I just quote the scriptures, right? I love quoting the scriptures because these scriptures are in my spirit, right? I, I, I can see them in my eye. I read the Bible so often. I just see them in my, in my eye. I can actually read it out of my own imagination. Somebody say hallelujah. I, I want you to see 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, uh, l- l- let, me, let me tell you what Paul taught the young Timothy about what the church was going to look like in the last days. And he says this, and know this, 2 Timothy 3, 1, 
And know this, that in the last days, catches perilous times shall come. Somebody say perilous, dangerous, volatile days are here. And what does he say the first condition is? For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of them that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. From such turn away. Listen, I know these scriptures. You know why I know them? Because I study eschatology. This is telling me that in a church, I am now in a generation of Christians who are constantly offended. And you know why you're offended? You've never died to yourself. Jesus said, if any man desired to come after me, he must, he must deny himself and pick up his cross and follow me. Why? Because there's a lot of crucifying in the kingdom of heaven. And who's being crucified? You're being crucified. And we're in a church now where everybody's offended. Everybody's offended. Every little thing. Every, you know, people are upset all the time. If you were to ask me, First Lady, you know, I was thinking about this. A lot of pastors, we talk. Uh, 75%, I give a 75%, roughly over the years. I've almost had 27 years of, of public ministry as a senior pastor. O -o -over, over 27 years, if you told me, 75% of the people that have left this church left because they were offended. I got some that move away, some that change jobs, some that go back into the world. But the vast majority of people that leave this church, they're just simply offended. The, the, the enemy knows he's trying to trap you. Listen to what I'm saying. He's trying to trap you. Because this is what I know about offense. When people get offended, listen to this. I've seen some of y'all drunk. You don't have to raise your hand. I've seen you. <laughs> you know, I visited you when you were high as a kite. But the moment that drug wore off or that uh, your drunkenness was appeased by time, you came back to yourself. Let me tell you the people who never get back to themselves, offended people. They are changed irreparably. Do, 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 do you know, the Bible says, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And are held in bondage like, like the gates of, of a castle. Brother and sister, do you know that when you get offended, you're the one in prison? You've been trapped. You've been duped. The enemy has caused you to take the offense. And I've come to give you good news. You don't have to take it. You can take it or leave it. Ah, you got a choice. You don't always have to be offended. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't always have to be offended. You don't always have to be offended. It doesn't always have to be about you. You don't, you don't always have to be offended. How many know that? How many know the Bible says the discretion of a man, right? Deferreth his anger, and it's to his glory to overlook an offense. You know, you know, if you're rich in the love of God, how many know that if you're rich in the love of God, you can extend forbearance to people? You can say, well, they were just having a bad day. You can understand the fault. You can say, I've been there. I know how you feel. You don't always have to take the offense. Well, you look at your neighbor and say, stop being offended. Stop it. Brother Taylor, let me tell you what people do. You, you, you know, the scriptures say, a, a, a man that overlook an offense seeketh love. 
but he that repeated the matter separated very friends. You, you know what I found about offended people? That's when they start talking. Uh, they, they love to get offended, but they don't go back to the person who offended them. They go to everybody in the church, tell them about how hurt they are. They separate everybody, but they never go back to the person who offended them. Do, do you know how critical this is about? Jesus said, listen, if you have an alm or a sacrifice to give and you get in and you know you have ought against a brother, go get that right, then come back. Because the kingdom is predicated on agreement and the enemy is constantly trying to offend us. One with another. Man, stop being offended. You don't have to be offended anymore. I, I, I love the passage. This is... Let me see if I can recount it. This is Psalms 119, verse 165. It says, great peace have they that love thy law, and they are offended in nothing. Listen, have you ever asked yourself, why are you always offended? Why are you always offended? I'm going to tell you why. You are narcissistic. You are self-concentrated. Stop being offended because it changes you. Some, some of y'all know that over the years you know that I have two Old Testament characters that I love, that I study them and I read about them. I read their stories and I, 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 I sit back and I just imagine them and I, I think about them and I giggle and I laugh. And I always say when I get to heaven, the, the, the first, uh, of course, Jesus, I'm going to go see Jesus, I'm going to see the Holy Spirit, I'm going to see the Lord, but then I, I want to go see Moses. You know, I love Moses. Y'all know that I've always talked about over the years. I love Moses. I love the way Moses did things. You know, he, he was a bad man. The, Jesus, God himself said, with prophets I speak in dreams and visions. But not so with him. With him I speak as a friend speaking with a friend. I speak to this man face to face. That's a bad boy right there. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a bad boy when you speak to God face to face. That's, that's a bad man right there. And so I, I love the stories. Let, 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 me, let me give you, can I give you, can I share a story to show you how when you get offended, you change? Can I help you? Can I help you with stories? Show you that when you get offended, you're not yourself anymore. That you're the one in prison. Uh, you've been ensnared. You've been trapped. You've been duped. The devil's got one over on you. And he's separated you from the power of the kingdom of heaven. He's done all his work. He just gives you a little offense. And some of you are offended at nothing. I tell the first lady, baby, you're not going to believe this, but somebody got offended. Let me tell you what they got offended. She goes, what? I said, yeah, they're upset. They're never coming back. And it has nothing to do with church doctrine or the preaching. Just somebody gave them a little funny look. So somebody didn't come by and say hello. Somebody just walked past them and didn't say, didn't shake the hand and, and said, they're never coming back because, you know, we're just a click. You know, I hear that a lot. Yeah, you know, the church has got clicks, you know. I mean, you know, the proverb says, show yourself friendly that you might have friends. <laughs> the, the, the Bible tells me that David got an idea. <laughs> How many know that David desired to build a temple from the Lord and God said, I never asked you to do that. But he got an idea. He said, you know what? I'm going to go get the Ark of the Covenant. I'm going to bring it back. You know, the Philistines stole. How many know the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant when, 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 when the sons of Eli went into battle against the Philistines? Hophni and Phinehas. Y'all know their story, right? They went into battle, and the Ark of the Covenant was stolen. When the news got back to Samuel, how many know he tripped back on his chair when he heard the news, and he broke his neck against the fence that he was sitting by? Because the Bible says he was a heavy man. 
And anybody ever heard of, of, of Ichabod? Uh, that's where that story comes out. Because one of the wives of the sons had pre, went into premature labor. And, and as she was dying delivering that child, they said, well, what's his name? She says, call it Ichabod. Because the glory of God has left Israel. David says, I want that, I want the Ark of the Covenant back in the house of God. And so he went to Abinadab's house. I, I don't know if you know the story. Let me, sometimes I'm going too fast. How many know that the Philistines took the Ark of the Covenant and put it in the temple Dagon? How many know this story? That, that, that they said, we're going to take the Ark of the Covenant, which is an image of the person, the symbolizing of Jesus Christ himself. They took Jesus into the temple of Dagon and put him there, right? And the Bible says that all of the Philistines started to get hemorrhoids called emeralds, and people were dying in, in Philistine because they were bleeding out of their rectum. <laughs> I don't even know if I should stay in that too much longer. I mean, that don't, that don't sound too good, you know. When. That's bad. I mean, God could have picked anything, but he picked hemorrhoids to get rid of you. That's a bad thing. <laughs> The, the, the Bible says that they put the Ark of the Covenant before Dagon, and the next morning when they went in, Dagon had fallen over. So, so, so the people went and picked up their God, you know, and, and, and put their God back into place. The next day they went back in, guess what? Not only had Dagon fallen over, but his head was chopped off, and so was his hands. And only a stump was there left, and they said, we got to get rid of this Ark of the Covenant. We got to get rid of this. And so the Bible says that they made a decision. They, they, they gave a peace offering. They took the Ark of the Covenant and they took it back to Beth Shemal. And when they get there, guess what happened? The Israelites didn't know any better. You know what they did? They took the lid of the mercy seat off and they looked inside. And the Bible says, and there God smote 50,000 people for touching the Ark of the Covenant. 50,000 Israelites, in fact, I'll be specific, 50,070 Israelites died instantly for looking inside of the Ark of the Covenant. They died right there on the spot. So David said, I'm going to go get the Ark of the Covenant. He's as ignorant as the rest of them. He builds a cart. Just like the Philistines. Did you know when the Philistines stole the Ark of the Covenant, they built a new cart? How many know, there's symbolism in this. How many know you can't take Jesus on a new cart to the world? You can't present Jesus in a worldly fashion. That's exactly what the Bible's teaching us. You don't present me on a new cart. There's a way you carry the Ark of the Covenant. So the Bible says that David took a new cart, went and got the Ark of the Covenant, loaded on the Ark, and as the Ark went along, it hit a dip in the road, and the Ark started to slide off the cart. And what did Uzzah hit it? His most loyal servant, his most loyal warrior, he took hold of the Ark of the Covenant to keep him from falling off, and God smote him right there. And you know what the Bible says? When David saw that, he was displeased with the Lord. He got angry with God out of his own ignorance. He got offended with God. You know how many Christians I meet that are offended with God? You're mad at God. He's not offended at you, and rightfully he should be. There's a million and one reasons why God should be offended at you and he takes no offense 
with you, you take offense with him. And you're taking offense with God out of your own blatant wantonness, your own neglect of the knowledge of who he is. And you know what the Bible says? That when David saw, he was terrified. He feared the Lord. You know what he said? Well, how am I supposed to get it back? This is King David, a man after God's own heart, is now telling God, how do you expect me to bring the ark back? So they took the ark of the covenant. The Bible says they put the ark of the covenant in Obed-Edom's house. And the blessings of God started to flow. (laughs) And word got back to David while he's pouting. Upset with God. What is God doing? How come God killed Uzan? He's all upset. But the blessings are flowing. How could something so blessed be so, so, so deadly? And then he asked. He found out that you don't touch the ark. There are rings on the side of the ark that you slip poles through and you got to call the Levites to move it because they're the only ones that have the authority to mess with the ark. So what do you think he did? He went and he called the Levites said, hey, listen, we got to move the ark. Bring your poles. You know, there's some things that are going on in your life. You're blaming God, but the issue is you. Brother and sister, let me tell you, there are times where the disciples said to the Lord, why couldn't we do what you did? You know what Jesus said? Because of your unbelief. Listen, brother and sister, I'm here to tell you, my God is perfect always, all the time. And if you've got a problem with God, the problem is really you, not God. Look at your neighbor and say, the problem's you. God's perfect. There's no shadow of turning with God. God is awesome. He's a blesser. He's beautiful in every way, shape, and form. There's no shadow of turning to God. Neither is there any variableness in him. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning, no variableness in him. My God is right all the time. And if something's not right in my life, I'm not going to blame him. I'm going to look at myself. My God's perfect. I don't got no questions about God. He's awesome. The Bible says, watch this. So the Bible says that David went, they got the thing, and as they were coming back into Israel, every six steps he took, they sacrificed animals, the oxen and fatlings, and they brought cymbals, and they were dancing in harm. They were flutes and clarinets and trumpets, and they were heralding the entry, and David was coming in. He was so happy. The Bible says he came back into Israel with gladness, and while he was coming in, the Bible says that, you know, he got a little carried away with this dancing. He was so excited. And while he was dancing, the Bible says that he had on a linen ephod that, you know, he, he exposed himself a couple times. People saw his drawers. Maybe he did the splits, Dr. J. Maybe he did a windmill. I don't know what he did, but people saw uh, uh, his private areas. You know how people do when you get excited. You'd be surprised how when you get excited, people start getting offended. I see that a lot in church where people come in and, and people start worshiping and, and, and dancing and carrying on, and there's somebody in the back. Oh, look at that person. You know, Bible says that, that the very girl, Saul's daughter, you remember her? That Saul said, whoever can defeat that Goliath, I'll give to him my very daughter, her. Where David, as a young boy, they say sometimes, maybe 12, 13 years old, went out and slew Goliath with the rock, man, with the slingshot. 
She watched him dance and she, she was offended in him. She got, she got offended because David danced and carried on. And she said, don't you know the way you danced? You made a fool of yourself. Everybody was looking at you. you. You're the king, and you lost all your integrity before the people. He says, listen, if you think I was crazy now, you had not seen nothing yet. And the Bible says that Michael, from that day forward, never bore a child till she died. She became fruitless. You know why she became fruitless? Because she was offended. People offended with God. We break our unity. People offended with each other. We break our unity. Now, now let, let, me get, let, me, let, me get to, uh, let me get to Moses, and then I'm going to wrap this up. How many of you know I love Moses? I love Moses. Uh, the Bible says that there was no man meeker than the man Moses on planet Earth. You, you know, meekness is that quality where a person is completely submitted to the purposes of God. The will of God is, is their delight, is their will. They have, they have no cause, no thought other than to walk out the very will of God. They are operating in complete dependency upon the Lord. Right? And that was Moses. And some of you know that as soon as the Israelites were taken out into the wilderness, into the wilderness of sin, uh, they lacked water. And so uh, when Moses went back before God, he said, God, what shall I do? They even want to stone me. They want to take my life. What am I supposed to do? He said, well, what's in your hand? You've got that rod. What I want you to do is I want you to go strike the rod in Horeb. And, and when you strike that rock, I'm going to let water come out of that rock. And so the Bible says that Moses went before the people. He took his staff and struck the rock and water flowed out. And all the people of Israel drank and their cattle and they, they stocked up on the water. But it wasn't a few times later, a few, uh, a few years passed, they're stuck again. Wilderness of Zin. And the Bible says, same thing happened. So Moses and Aaron went back before the Lord and God told Moses this. Moses, I want you this time, you see that rod in your hand? Yes, I got my rod. This time, I want you to speak to the rock. See, see, Moses knew what that rock meant. That rock was a symbol of the personhood of Christ. He says, this time you've struck it once, and all you got to do is speak to it. See, do, do, do you understand the principles there? That, that you, know, you know why I know God is going to work it out for my good? You know why I know that I can depend on God to do that, which we've uh, applied in God in agreement to? Because he's already struck the rock. And if you want to know how God, what God means and how, how deeply that meaning means to him, he bled his son to make sure you'd walk in victory, right? So you don't, you don't have to strike it again. All you got to do is speak. Touch your name and say, all you got to do is talk now, baby. The Bible says that Moses, just to show you how people change, here's the meekest man in the whole of the earth, a subtle man. A man who when Miriam and Aaron spoke against him, he went and pleaded on their behalf before God. A meek man. The Bible says that. God said, I want you to speak to the rock. Go sanctify me before the eyes of the people of Israel. The Bible says that Moses got out there. He was so offended in them. They're so rebellious. They're so stiff-necked. And he got so frustrated. He, he went before the people and he says, hey, listen up, you rebels. Talking about Moses. He said, listen up, you rebels. 
Do you want me to fetch water out of this rock for you? He got that staff and whacked it two times, bam. And he whacked it again, bam. And the Bible says water flowed. And when he stepped away from that rock, the voice of the Lord showed up. He says, you didn't sanctify me before the people of Israel. And because you didn't sanctify me, you will not inherit the promised land. You don't get the promise. I'll let you see it, but you won't go in. Listen, the longer you stay offended, you're not going to get the promise. And if God didn't give it to Moses, I'll guarantee you God won't give it to you. Stay offended. Stay offended. And you won't touch the promises of God. Let, let, let me do this. Hold on, Dr. Jimmy. Me, me, me. I, I, I believe that in the last days, something powerful is going to happen on earth. Let me tell you what it is. There's going to be an overflow of the Holy Spirit, an outpouring. Do, do you know the world needs that? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the world. They need, they need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that they might be renewed in God once again. And, you know, that world out there that's full of fear, that at, at every turn of every political environment, for everything, people that don't even know if they're a boy or a girl. They need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They need an outpouring. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. We owe it to the world to be in one accord. They already know what it's like to live in division because they're divided amongst themselves. H haven't you seen how the enemy works? What does the enemy try to do? He tries to conquer you by dividing you. We see his work plainly in the world. They're divided over every single issue, over every political thing, over every government, over every social thing under the sun. They are divided amongst themselves. That shouldn't be true in here. Right? How many know that when the Holy Ghost showed up, he was looking for a church? Right? The Bible says, and when the, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, when they were all in one accord, suddenly. Suddenly, listen, brother, I'm going to tell you like Jesus. It is impossible that offenses will not come. So if you think you're going to come to church and not get offended, get over yourself. Somebody's not going to shake your hand. Uh, somebody's not going to pat your back for all the stuff you do. Something's going to happen. The enemy is going to try to trap you in the offense. Now, now let me teach offense. Can I teach offense just for a minute? So, so, so I brought with me an offense, a, a little bit of uh, cheese, some, some old Swiss cheese. Yep. You, you, you see in the world, uh, uh, everybody concentrates on the offense. Whatever the offense is, and, and can, I, can I tell you something as a pastor? I don't care what your offense is. What I care about is what you do when you're offended. 
Listen, do you know we get all entangled with how you were offended? Well, let me tell you what happened. And this person said that, and then I said this, and then they tell them, and then they told my kid, my kid this, and, and then I got mad because, and we got all these offenses. But we don't know how to handle the offense. Do, do you know that you don't have to take the offense? And you need to know exactly what it is. Now, uh, let, let me digress with this. If you've been offended, go get it right this week. Don't wait. Do you know the Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. When you think that you've been offended, if you've been offended, because I realize there might have been something done to you that, that, that merits you going back to talk to that person. But if they ask forgiveness, you forgive them. Do, do your best to be at peace with all men. If you've been offended, listen, brother and sister, if you've been offended here at Harvest Point, and there's somebody, either they're here, they're in another place, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, an aunt, an uncle, I don't know who they are. Get it right. Get it right because the devil's trying to trap you. So I'm, I'm going to show you. So here's the offense. Everybody concentrates here. So the word offended, the word offended in the Bible, in the Greek, because I like to do the etymology of words, right? So I study words. So when I get a word, I get a word, then I study the etymology of the word. So, so the word offense comes from the Greek word scandalon, from where we derive the words in English, scandalous or scandal. Uh, so the enemy tries to create a scandal, something scandalous. But as you study the etymology of the word, it starts to tell you that the scandalon is actually a trap stick. Most of us don't know what a trap stick is. So I'm going to show it to you. So, will you bring the trap stick up? So I'm going to set this. Dr. J, I'm going to set this. So here's what everybody concentrates on. Here's your offense. So I'm going to place your offense on the scandalon. Then I'm going to set it. So give me a minute. I don't want to hurt my fingers. Hold on, Dr. J. Okay. Let me get so 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 this is okay. This is the scandalon. So the enemy creates the offense so that you might trip the scandalon. Let me set this. Okay. Okay. So this is what I want you to do, Dr. J. I, 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 the, the message is take it or leave it. The, the, the message is, take it or leave it. Now, now you want to nibble on that a little bit? You, you, you want to play around with the fence? This is what the devil is doing to you. All you need to do is hit that offense, and you're going to trigger this scandal on, and you're going to trap yourself. So, so, Dr. J, just, just, out of, just out of measure, uh, you can pass around, see if anybody wants to tap on uh, the fence a little bit. Just, just mess with it. But be careful. See if anybody wants to. See if they'll take it or leave it. I don't know what people want to do. I, I just put it out there. See what people want to do. Go ahead. And, uh, you, 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 you don't want it? She ain't even looking at it. I don't even want the offense. I don't even want to deal with that. I ain't going to trap myself. Come on, somebody touch it. Come on, you're dealing with it today. You're offended right now. You're offended with God. You're offended with each other. And now when I show you what it is, now you don't want to touch it. 
You've been dealing with your offense already now for a year, two years, three years. Some of you have been offended for 10 years about something that's already passed that you should have already buried and put under the sun. Come on, somebody. Nobody wants to touch it. Keep going, Dr. Jared. Keep touch. I want everybody to get a chance to mess with it. Nobody wants it. Anybody wants to touch it? No, no, we don't want to touch it because you know that thing going to whip back and clip your finger. And I didn't get that little mousetrap. I got the big one. They even got a bigger one like that. I should make sure you guys go, go to the back, Dr. J, see if anybody wants it. Because, you know, we're in the church. I, listen, I've been preaching here 27 years, and you know the biggest, the biggest hindrance in our church is offended people. Oh, God, I pray, Father, Father, I know it's the last days. Everybody's offended. Nobody wants to touch it. Look, even Daniel's got his eyes open, but he ain't messing with it. He got his hands all the way back. Everybody's like this. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's got their hands back. I don't want to mess with the offense. I don't want to mess with the scandal on. Listen, next time something happens to you, just, I don't want to mess with that. Devil's trying to trap me. I know what that is. I know what he's trying to do. He's trying to trap me. He's trying to keep me from receiving the benefit, the commanded blessing of God. I will not lose my blessing over an offense in Jesus' name. I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. I wish I had a witness say, Pastor, I won't do it. I won't do it. I take my hands off of that. I let that thing go. I'm not going to be trapped in the scandal on. Real deal. Can I see that, Dr. J? We were just messing with people. We didn't, we, we, I didn't put the spring on it. I was afraid that somebody might be, might be uh, casual enough to play around with the offense. Jesus said it's impossible that offenses won't come, so get ready. Paul said the people of the last days are going to be people who are narcissistic. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about the church. You know, there's a lot of people in here that haven't figured it out yet. This ain't about you. This is about us. A lot of people still living like this. Let me read something to you. I'm going to close with this. Oh, I love teaching like this. Matthew 5, verse 22 says, But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with, that, with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Watch this. I mean, that's true. We shouldn't be upset without a cause, but watch what Jesus says. Now he gives another predicate. He, he takes and advances this idea a, a, a step further. He says, whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka. Oh, the, 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 the word Raka is to say to somebody, idiot or, or empty-headed. Right? Shall be in danger of the council. Now he goes a little deeper. Because now we're talking about spiritual things. Then he says this. But whosoever shall say, thou fool, which is the word moros, which we get the word moron. So whoever says to somebody, you moron, is in danger of the fire of hell itself. 
I'm not going to ask you if you've ever called anybody moron because I think you're thinking back. When's the last time I used that word? <laughs> so then he says this. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother have aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Can I have you stand just for a minute? It's time. It's time. I can't. I, there's a few more stories I want to share, but I'm out of time. See, I don't want this to be your concentration. I want this to be your concentration. Look, right where you are, I just want you to just, 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 just get between you and God. Just you, you and the Lord. Don't worry about your neighbor, anybody. Just, just for a moment, just let this message do what it's intended to do. I'm trying to uproot the bitter root that's in your life. Let me say that again. Some of you have a, a bitter root. I want you to think just, just, just momentarily, for, for a moment, just, just, just think on the words that I'm about to give you. I just want you to, I want you to think this through. I, I, I want you to ask yourself a candid question. Have you been offended? And I don't think it should take much time for you to do that. So just, just for a moment, just, just, just ask yourself that. Have you been offended? Or, or better yet, maybe I should be more specific. We've all been offended. Let me, let me go more specifically to say, have you taken the offense? That's, that's a better word, a better way to apply the principle here. Have, have, you, have you received the offense? Have you taken the offense? I'm here to tell you, you could take it or leave it. Maybe nobody ever told you that. I want you to think about this morning, are, are, have you received an offense? Have you received it? And so I just want, I, I want you just for a moment, I just want you just for a moment to, just want you for a moment just to think on that. Have, have you been offended? been offended have you taken offense and, and, and while there's a concentration on the offense I, I want you to ask yourself a question will I take it or will I leave it are, are, are you seeing the offense maybe it was an unkind word maybe, maybe somebody did you bad maybe somebody took from you Maybe somebody hurt you. Maybe somebody abused you. Maybe somebody said something to you so unbecoming, so vile, something so hurtful. And I want you to think about it. I want you to see it. I just want you to see the offense. And I, but when you see it, I want to give you two options. You can take it or leave it. You can take it or leave it. take it or leave it. Now listen, if you take the offense, then you've got work to do. You, you've got to go back to the person to make the offense right. You are obligated to seek peace. 
If you take it, and I would suggest you don't, but, but if you've taken offense, you've got to make the offense right. You have to take the prerogative to, to go to that person and say, I've been offended by such and such a thing. And I just, I want you to be praying. I want you to be thinking about what I'm telling you. But you've got to go make it right. Or you have another option. You can simply leave it. You can simply leave it. And right there in your heart, you could say, I forgive them. Just right there in your heart, just simply say, I forgive it. I'm, I'm going to overlook the offense. Because I'm seeking love, not myself. I'm seeking peace, not myself. I'm seeking reconciliation, not myself. And I'm simply going to I'm simply going to leave the offense, but I am going to forgive. I'm going to forgive the offense. I'm going to overlook it. And let me tell you something, if you're rich in the love of God, you have every availability, every power to overlook the offense and miss the trap. Brother and sister, the Spirit of the Lord sent me to tell you you're being trapped, you're being tempted to take the offense. The enemy is trying to create something scandalous. He's trying to get you in a scandal on. He's trying to produce something in you to produce an anger, a hatred, a variance, a contention. He's trying to dismiss you from the commanded blessings of the Lord. He's trying to take you away from life everlasting, abundant life for the, for the thief cometh forth but to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have life more abundantly.